Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your truth Life. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. Today's guest is Kat Defada, who's an amazing eating disorder therapist, host of You Need Therapy podcast, one of my favorite podcasts. And Kat, you're also an indoor cycling instructor, I think. I am. I am that. You do yeah. it all. Well, I don't do it all, but I, I do a lot, I guess. You do a lot for yeah. the mind, body, and spirit of everyone. You're a true healer. For sure. Well, thank you for everything that you do. If you're unfamiliar with Kat, she was one of our first guests on the podcast Outweigh that I co-host with Amy Brown. And she came on last year uh, to talk about her style of therapy. And it was supposed to be like a quick episode. And I think we did like a full hour because we were like, we need to hear more from Kat. I went into that being like, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> and then I left like an hour later and I was like, what happened? That was supposed to be 20 minutes. It was so fun, though. It was so fun. And it I think I cried. I remember feeling really seen by the things that you were saying, some of which we'll get into today. Um, so you're based in Nashville. You work primarily with eating disorder clients, but you also do trauma and addiction as well, right? Yeah, my specialty, one of my main specialty would be eating disorders. But it's probably at this point, like 50% of my practice. And then the other 50% could is a wide range of things from stuff like trauma, anxiety, depression, life transitions, all this stuff. And do you only work with people in Nashville, Tennessee, or you can do mm -hmm. virtual? I can do virtual, but they have to be in the state of Tennessee because I my license is only in Tennessee. Got it. Just in case anyone likes you here. Well, either way, you're going to go and follow Kat. Uh, she puts great content out on social media oh, and on your podcast as well, which I've personally benefited from. So thank you. since this is the truthiest life and 
we don't really get to hear a lot about Cat, Cat the person, um, <laughs> in real life, you know, who yeah. you are behind the professional lens. You take a very personal approach to being a therapist and mm-hmm. not to say that like, you know, you're stu- super too professional out there, yeah. but I want to know who Cat is, was when you're not a therapist and before you were a therapist. So let's start with your own story of what it was like Mm -hmm. to water down the parts of you that were you in -hmm. order to please others. I will say up front, I could be on a podcast all day talking about somebody else's story and talking about therapy and my profession. This is so much harder for me because of what you just said. I, I take a very personal approach to the work that I do. And I also am a professional and it's the stuff I'm doing is usually not about me. So I will say I'm so excited to be here. And this is like probably one of the scariest (laughs) podcasts in a good way, in a good way. Like it's not scary, bad, but scary, good. Yeah. So your question about me, if if we go all the way back, I would say now I'm a pretty self-confident, self-assured. I know who I am, although that person continues to evolve. I let that happen. That was not always the case. And I like having that conversation because I do think that a lot of times, whether it's a client or just somebody on the internet, they see me now and they think that's, oh, she's, that's just how she's always been. And oh my gosh, I have not always been this way at all. Yeah, I think a lot of therapists in general are really hesitant for professional reasons to peel that layer back with their clients or with their now social media audiences. And -hmm. obviously there's a level or there's a question that every professional needs to ask, which is why am I sharing this, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you're showing up and you're still in the midst of your healing as a therapist, maybe not appropriate. Right. But if there's a part of you that can make the other person feel like level the playing field a little bit of professional to patient. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really helpful because we're just bringing it back to being humans together, not professional at the desk, taking a note person on the patient on the couch crying, you know? Right. (laughs) Well, I think that is important to say because I mean, therapy's changed so much in the past however many years, but how I find healing and what I feel and what I've seen and what I know to believe about healing and the healing process is we heal through relationships. So if I'm not connecting with my clients, it's going to be really hard for me to help them find their healing process. And the same for me. Like I think that kind of going back to the original question is growing up trying to like figure out who I was or what I wanted or uh, how to feel okay with myself. There was always an essence of me trying to do it alone without letting anybody know what was going on. And that never worked. (laughs) Did you struggle to fit in in your home environment, in your school environment? Like, you know, what was so out of place for you? I would say kind of all around. This has nothing to do with my family not being like loving and caring and supportive of me. They were very present, very there. But I always felt based on stories I made up about my experiences that I was kind of the less than like I was almost like last place in my family and last place in my friend groups. And I also don't know why even had that idea that there were places, uh, but I did. And so I was loved and cared for. And I had friends, always had friends. That's what's really confusing, I think, is I've always been somebody who's been surrounded by a lot of people. But that I think is important because I've always been surrounded by a lot of people. But I also always felt kind of like either alone 
or I have to do something to keep mm-hmm. them here. I feel like I relate to that experience so much yeah. of alone despite being around other people. Mm-hmm. And I'll go a little bit further to specify feeling alone and scared, you know, not alone and empowered in any way, mm-hmm. feeling like I need to do something to keep the people around. Mm-hmm. So you learned how to keep people around. What was your mm-hmm. method of entertaining, for lack of a better word, those around you? Oh, I, well, I did everything. Because here's the thing, things would work and then they wouldn't work anymore. And so my family is very athletic. We all played sports. Obviously, I still am a fitness instructor. I love all of that, that side of, of life. We all played sports. I played sports and they were fun, but I was never the best ever. I was never like a star. I never was, but my older siblings were. So very young as a defense, I think I took that role on of like, I'm never going to be that good. I had it in my head. I'm never going to be as good as my sister. I'm never going to be as good as my brother. I can't do that. I told myself that story. So clearly I didn't try as hard as I probably could have. And then I was like, so I have to do this other thing. So my other thing was I'm going to be the smartest one in my family. And I'm somebody who I think is intelligent, but I'm not just naturally super, 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 super smart. Like when I study for something or I want to learn something, I have to really pay a lot of attention to what I'm doing. It takes a lot of effort. So I became somewhat obsessive with school and my family would joke about it. And it is like in an essence kind of funny, but I made a note card for everything, literally everything I would even like, th- I mean, I would still do this later in my life. Like when I was studying for the GRE, the test you have to take to get into grad school, I made a note card for every single vocabulary word in the back of the book, which is like probably a thousand and studied them for months until I knew every single word. I'm laughing only because I'm the exact same okay. way. <laughs> like you said, I consider myself intelligent, but where I really excel and I think you really excel is like emotional intelligence, reading the room, reading people, reading my own emotions. When mm-hmm. it comes to studying, I can do it, but I had to learn how to do it. And it was obsessive. I, I was, I'm the type of person, I don't know if you're the same, where I'm either going to get like a D or F on the test because I don't understand the material or I'm going to get a hundred percent because I uh, yes. studied so hard. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. When you know that turned, when I was younger, it was, there was a couple things that I did, but one of them was this is obsessive studying of like vocabulary words for spelling tests or this or that, like obsessive. And I was diagnosed, I think I was in third grade. Like I was diagnosed with OCD because that's what it looked like. Looking back, as a mental health professional, I was diagnosed by my like general doctor. As a mental health professional, I look back and I see something very different. I don't see OCD. I see anxiety, which OCD is an anxiety disorder, but I see that as a way to cope with something else. So that's what that looked like at that point. I mean, I remember getting my first B on my report card and I locked myself in my room and I like cried because I thought that I wasn't going to get into college because I got a B on a report card one time. Anyway, so that happens. And then so that's part of my identity. Then it's, it goes into and I'll just cover this quickly. It goes into like, I'm going to be the funny one, or I'm going to be this one, or I'm going to be I mean, I, I tried out all these identities to make sure I had kind of my own thing. Because what I saw was my family has this thing, they're athletic, that's their thing. That's who they are. That's why they're so great. That's whatever. And I needed my thing. Now I know that's not your identity isn't found in one one singular part of who you are. So there's the smart cat. How I explain this with with clients now is I explain this whole thing of looking like a hydra head. Do you know what a hydra head monster is? Like Greek 
Okay. So it's this like Greek mythological creature that has one human head and then like all these like immortal heads. And when you cut one head off, like two more grow from it. And it's really easy to see this when I draw it. But so just like go with me in your head. So there's this like one immortal head and there's all these heads and you're we're, we're cutting off all these these immortal heads. And that is the school. That is the sports. That is the being the funny one. That is being this one. That's the eating disorder, the addictions or whatever. We're just keep cutting those things off and paying attention to those things. When really looking back, what I wish I would have known, but I'm grateful for the trajectory of my story. What I wish I would have known is that I really need to pay attention to the mortal head, which was the story I had and the shame I held and all of that stuff. And if I would have taken care of that part of me, then I wouldn't need all of this stuff that I'm trying to kind of essentially distract myself with. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. You brought me back to in college. There was this girl who one of my best friends and she was the funniest person. She was so freaking funny. And people liked her because she was funny. And they'd say, you're so funny. And I remember one time her being like crying, having a breakdown. And she's like, they only like me because I'm funny. And I was so confused by it at the time because it was like her flex. It was her how she could you know, walk into any room and turn any type of person into somebody that was interested in her. And it seemed like such a desirable trait and what she wanted to be leading with. But hearing what you're saying, it sounds like that was one of her, you know, immortal heads that she protruded and was afraid to show up as the real her who, yes, sure, she's funny, but she's not just funny. Is that kind of... 
Yeah, because it, like that was one of yeah, that was definitely one of my things too. And there is a lot of pressure in that. It's it's fun to be funny. Like I think that is part of who I am, but there's pressure if that's how I'm getting value and that's how I'm able to show up and that's why I think people solely like me, then do I always have to be funny all the time? What happens when I'm not? What happens when I'm tired? And you know, I just went on a trip with a bunch of high school friends. And what my high school friends don't know about me, because I don't really talk about this, is that I had a lot of anxiety going to that trip because I have a lot of gratitude and just like care and grace and, and love for the version of me that was the cat in high school. For how I showed up, it wasn't always the best. I didn't always show up the best in high school. Not that I was a horrible person, but one, I'm in high school and I have the brain of a 16-year-old and the emotional intelligence of a 16-year-old. So there's that. But how I think people see me based on how I think my friends remember me from high school is one way based on their interpretation of the outside of what they saw. My interpretation of myself in high school is a really sad, hurt, scared human. And I don't love all the things that showed up in high school, how I showed up all the time. I mean, I wasn't like horrible all the time, but I didn't always show up appropriately or how I wish I I would have. But I know that girl differently than I think a lot of the people that I was around knew that girl. So I had all this anxiety going back and seeing all these people because in my head, they're still essentially judging my behavior and what I looked like based on who I am now. Does that make sense? Are these people that you regularly see, even though it's been a bunch of years since high school? Some of them, but most of them not. These people love me. I mean, there's not like these people are like, obviously, I went and spent time with them. So they're friends with me. But I have a hard time going and it's nothing about them. I, I have a hard time going back to places that remind me of those hard places, if that makes sense. Where there was this big disconnect between what you were feeling and how others saw you. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of this is we were, I was sitting there with one of my good girlfriends from high school, a guy friend, and then a girl that didn't know me in high school. And I just recently met and, or there's two of my good friends from high school. And one of the girls asked the guy, he was to tell the new girl, the new friend, Hey, what was your interpretation of us in high school? Like, what was our reputation? I like looking back on this stuff. And I said, please don't do that. Like, please don't do that. And they're like, why? That's so fun. Like, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I don't want to know. I do not have any interest in knowing what you thought about me in high school inside of your head. I don't want to know that. That's none of my business. And he, he the guy was super awesome. And he was like, yeah, if you don't want me to tell you, I'm not like, I'm going to respect that. But I say that to express that like high school was a really, really hard time for me. And people didn't know that because I didn't show up that way. I showed up as funny or catty or judgmental or this or that. I showed up at smart. I did show up as athletic. I, I showed up as all these ways, but they didn't see is behind the scenes, me inside of my head scrambling to feel okay. Right. So, I mean, it wasn't that you didn't want to hear what they had to say so much as perhaps in this moment, like you weren't available in the safest of spaces, maybe even physically and around these people to go back to the pain that you felt really like I think yes I think it probably came off as more defensive or to the outside person of like I don't really care what you have to say but really it was a protection method of in this very moment I'm not able to visit that part 
of me because that's going to derail yeah. me for the rest of the weekend, maybe. Part of the reason I even bring that up is because I think a lot of times we look at people's behavior. We look at how people are showing up and we are super quick to judge them as good or bad, right or wrong, nice, mean, this, that, when mm. really there's something underneath of all of our behaviors. Like there's something underneath that. And yeah, I was in high school, so I was like emotionally immature in one sense. Also, there was something underneath my behavior that I was too scared to let anybody in on. Because if I did, what would that mean? It's pretty cool that even as a people pleaser, you kind of just became a version of you that would make other people happy in that moment. When you were brought back to that environment and those people, you did not revert to people pleasing. You said, please don't. I don't mm -hmm. want to do that. Where, mm -hmm. I don't know, I feel like I could relate in some ways where when I'm around people from the past, I water myself down a little bit for the sake of being easy, being easygoing. I also want to say that like in a world where we're really addicted to information, especially when it's self-serving information. You know, if we could see our letters of recommendation or things that like we're not supposed to see, we really want to know what other people think about us. So for you in that moment to say, no, I actually don't need to know what you thought about me there is a really powerful, a self-discipline practice to protect yourself. And I think everyone can kind of take something from that when it comes to, oh, I really want to know how this person feels about me, whether it's either asking your friend, what did she say about me? What did he say about me? You know, can you just let that be? Well, yeah, because what I learned later in my story is that other people's opinions of me are none of my business. And I really believe that because as my story goes on, the more I allowed myself to connect to myself and actually appreciate me, appreciate myself and me create my own opinion of myself, the less I had to worry about me showing up in certain ways. And so hundred percent, like I'm very, very careful in my adult life, not to overload myself with that information because it can be really harmful and, and hard and it's unnecessary. I feel like I struggle with that as like a later in life social media presence where I used to really not care about people's opinions yeah. of me. And then I started to attach to people's opinions of me, especially in the last year or two, which is interesting because I don't know, I feel like I hit 30. I didn't care, you know, like I was strong. I was, I knew what I was doing. And then maybe the culture of the last couple of years, I became a little bit more affected by a, of how people thought of me it's really empowering for me to hear you say that other people's opinions of me are none of my business yeah i didn't learn that in like a month i learned that in probably the span of eight years um, but it's been one of the most helpful lessons and i i think to your point social media is hard anybody feels like it's their right to share their opinion about you yeah with you and it's hard to have it it's way harder to have the discipline in that to not read stuff and you don't know that they're going to be doing it. You open the message and then they're like, well, I, I, I you disappointed me when you said this. I'm oh, like, yeah. I didn't ask for it. But now that I know this, it's, you know, it's like a hard, hard place. So it's interesting as you two do social media, do you find yourself ever crawling back to that place where you are affected by the opinions of others? I mean, of course, when I see something, it can be an initial, oh, okay, I didn't really want that. Now I'm reading it, I know it. But what I also have learned to believe and learn to know is that if we're being authentic, if I'm being myself, if I'm being cat, like if I'm being like who I was created to be at my core, there's no way everybody's gonna like me. 
It's not possible. Somebody's going to think I'm going to do something wrong. Somebody's going to think I said something wrong. Somebody's going to think I shouldn't have shared that or I should have shared more. Somebody's going to think that I'm ugly. Somebody's going to think I'm beautiful. Somebody's going to like my body. Somebody's going to think my body's disgusting. If I am showing up as myself, somebody is not going to like it. And that is literally just a fact. Now, if I wanted everybody to like me, I could probably find a way to manipulate myself every day and, and please people. But that would be so painful. That pain is not worth it to me. Mm, yeah, so true. And going back to your point of, you know, you said I could say something wrong. I could do something wrong. You will do something wrong yeah, that, that yes. you find wrong. You know, you'll look yeah. back and say, oh, I wish I didn't say that or I could have said it better the way I feel I have. But it's interesting to think about the other people, how you said everybody sees things in black and white. I like this person. I don't like this person. They're nice. They're mean. How quick people are to define us by those one moments when we all have those one moments. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay, so going back to your story a little bit, how did you crawl out of this people-pleasing mentality? You know, how, how did you find your sense of self-worth and I'm going to be cat whether yeah. you like it or not? Well... <laughs> And again, this goes back to like, it's none of my business, but I, there's this assumption that I have that other people would have thought that I was always this way because I have always been, I have been outspoken in a sense, but not outspoken in the most truest, authentic way that I would be now. But so I have this experience in high school, all over the place, whatever. I tell myself at the end of high school, I am starting over. I want to start over. I want a new slate of people. I want a new community. I want to go somewhere where people don't have a preconceived judgment on me based on who I have been in my past. So I decided to go to a school that nobody, it ended up being a very random school, but nobody in my high school went to. 
And so I got to do that. My sister went to that school. And that's how I even knew to apply to it. So I, I went to college and I got to start over with a whole new group of people. Now here's the thing, wherever you go, there you are. So I brought my insecure, I need to feel X, Y, Z about being the human I am. I need validation in this way. I brought that person to college with me. So that's turned into my, my I have to be the smartest, I have to be the funniest, turned into I have to be success. I, I still had to be the smartest. You better believe I had like over a 4.0 in college because I needed to have that. But I had to be like the most involved in my sorority and I had to do this. And I was like the vice president and the this chair and then that chair and the to show up to these events and I have to be the best Christian and the best this. And I did that for so long in the middle of that while that's happening, what I don't know is happening is I'm exhausted and I'm coping and I'm coping with food and I don't even know I'm doing that until one day I wake up and I'm like, what is going on with my body? Like I felt like, so this is not my body. What about your body didn't feel like it? It was changing. It was uncomfortable. It definitely changed. And I was an athlete growing up. So I always played sports. I always whatever. And, and so I go to college, and I'm not doing that. And so I'm not moving and I'm losing that authentic part of me. So I wake up one day. And I think part of it part of this wake up is mixed in with like the diet culture and wanting to fit in that too. It's like I didn't like what my body looked like. But I also didn't like what my body felt like. And so I was like, Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tackle that now. And because I, I like to do things the best, I'm going to tackle it the best way. I'm going to go full force and I'm going to, you know, how that whole world works. So it starts with, I'm going to pay attention to what I'm eating and I'm going to start moving my body. And then it turns into, I'm counting every morsel of a calorie that's entering my body. And I am basing my life around working out. Well, I was really great at that. And that became my identity in that sense. I was like the most disciplined and I had the most willpower and I had this this body that everybody was complimenting me on and I was so strong and athletic and that became who I was. So that's me at the end of college. Granted, I will say my college experience was awesome. With that, it, w- it was hard and I had some obviously hard identity moments, but I met some really great people that I'm still really good friends with. My whole college experience wasn't ruined. It actually I kind of want to say it like ended worse than it started because <laughs> it ended with me in the depths of what I didn't know was an eating disorder. Yeah, I'd say same. And I'd also still also say that I left college. So, yeah. I mean, you know, it, looking back, it's colored by this anxious, disordered eating, didn't know it, you know, this this person that's not me really or but at the same time, I mean, I still loved college. I loved my friends. I, you know, so many parts of it were great. So mm-hmm. I think that's important when we hear somebody's eating disorder story, though, that they also didn't get some, you know, enjoyment out of the life that they were living, especially when you didn't really know that you were struggling. Like, I didn't know I was struggling. Yeah, because like, here's the thing that I believe about any kind of addictive process and even this like Hydra head thing. I was really struggling for sure. But all these things that I picked up also were solutions to a problem and they all worked until they stopped working. So my eating disorder worked for a period of time really well and I was super happy until it didn't work anymore and it was literally consuming my life. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it was doing that until after I graduated. So I say that to piggyback off of what you said, like, yeah, these things weren't great, but to an extent, they worked for periods of time. And because of that, I do have a weird sense of gratitude for the little like things that I picked up along the way to sur- to survive. 
And so after college, is, did you find your way into therapy? What was your breakthrough? Here's the thing, which I think you can relate to. I was like so high and mighty. I thought that I was like killing it. Like I wanted to switch my degree at the end of uh, when I was graduating. I was like, I want to become a dietitian because I want to help people. And I want to like essentially like save people's lives and help people lose weight and find the life they've always wanted. That's what I wanted to do. And I thought I had the secret. And so I didn't do that. I graduated with my degree and then I went to the program that I had planned to go to, which was a counseling program. But I told myself, okay, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to combine this. I'm going to be a therapist, but I'm going to work with eating disorders and I'm only going to work with binge eating disorder and I'm going to help people lose weight. <laughs> you, people need to see your facial reaction. There, I know. But... It's like, ah, if I could go back, I'd like cringe at that. But also I don't because I didn't know. I mean, I was sick. I didn't know that that was a, not the way in the light and the truth. Can we pause for one second? Because I see a lot of that on social media. Coaches, sometimes dietitians, but lots of people I'll find find my way to their pages and they are talking about food freedom, eating disorder recovery, and weight loss all in the same breath. And I don't know, when I was first even, you know, really getting into my philosophy, I was so angered by them and so thinking that they were so, I don't like the word stupid, but it's like the only word that's coming to me for the moment. And I would be, you know, cynical about it online and stuff. And I see a lot of people being cynical about these types of accounts online. And at the same time, it's like that person's going through something. I mean, I don't like that they are causing harm to who they're affecting because they're reaching Mm -hmm. people. But I think we have to start with recognizing that that person is in their moment of suffering. And I've seen so many people Mm -hmm. that were in that place, leave that place and recognize what they were doing and get their own help and either change their messaging into how they help people or abandon the whole thing together. But I just wanted to take a second because I think we see a lot of bad people on the internet. And like, what does that mean? Going back to your original question of good versus bad, you know, where where are they Mm -hmm. in their process? Yeah, you know, I I'm with you in that it used to boil my blood to such an extreme when I would see that. And I still see it. But since leaning into my story and finding gratitude for that version of me, it's the same thing of like, I want to offer them grace. I do struggle with the fact that like, it is so dangerous. That's the thing. Yeah, I feel it. But are you going to combat that by making, you know, cynical memes about them? Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's (laughs) not helpful. That's not helpful. Because if you did that to me back in the day, I would be like, you're just jealous. Exactly. You're jealous of my great life. Like, I found the light and you get. So I I also know that like, those people aren't always in a space to hear and understand that stuff. And it's like, okay, which I've talked about this on social media of like, what we can do in those moments is we can show up with our truth. We can show up and and be kind and welcoming. And that will be attractive to people. Because in my story, there became a point where my I've got it figured out. My life is so great. Like I want to help people have this life turned into I cannot do this anymore. Like I can't. And this actually I don't know. I'm crying. I don't ever really cry about this. But like, it turned into like me waking up in the morning and being like, Oh my God, I have to do it again. Like I have to do it again. Like I have to like make sure I don't eat anything and I have to like find an excuse to not go to that party. And I have to get myself to the gym and then I have to run after I go to the gym and like social media wasn't as big back then. Thank freaking God. Yeah. Same. But I also was living this life and then trying to show everybody that I was really happy. And that, I mean, it was exhausting 
it was exhausting. I think that through my whole story from the elementary school me who was bullied on a playground to the high school me to the college me, it was that version of me that it was like, I was like, I cannot, this cannot be what life is. If this is what life is, and I, I will say I never was suicidal, I've never contemplated that, but I had those moments of like, if this is what life is, like I'm not in, this is not it for me. So there came a moment where I was like, I have to be honest. It was very hard. So honest with yourself, right. honest with your family. Well, honest with, yeah, honest with myself, first of all, because I mean, I lied to myself, but I think there was those moments of like, I w- didn't even like going to sleep because then I knew the next thing I was going to do is wake up and have to do it again, which is a crazy, I mean, I shouldn't use the word crazy, but it's a really sad, hard thought to look back on that. Like I didn't want to go to bed and rest because I knew if I rested, I would have to get up and do this whole life again. That's how exhausting it is to be trying so hard. So luckily in my program, meanwhile, I just want people to know that like, as this is happening, I'm in grad school to become a therapist. And so this is why it is so freaking important for therapists to do their own work. In our program, we had to go to therapy to graduate. There are some programs that don't require that. And I think it should be a requirement because of things like this. But I was already in therapy and I had a therapist that I clearly was lying to. And I woke up one day and I, I don't have a distinct memory of the day or whatever, but I just do know I woke up one day and I was like, I have to, I have to be honest. Like I have to tell people that like I'm feeling this way because now I know if I don't acknowledge something, I can't heal it, but I had to acknowledge something so I could heal it. So that's where that started. And it just started with myself being like, this isn't what you think it is. And then telling somebody else. I didn't share a lot of my story, which I'm I'm okay with. And I think is was what I needed to do. I didn't share what my struggle with um, a lot of friends and my family. I, I kind of worked on it with the community of support that I created. And then as I became more connected with myself and okay with sharing parts of my story, I did. This process has been 10 years. So this um, this was all 10 years ago. And so now I'm really open with it. But I think a lot of times another thing I see on social media is people sharing their journey as it's unfolding. That's fine if that works for you. I don't always think that's the best way because for many reasons, that's another reason I w- I'm glad social media wasn't a big thing when I was going through this because I didn't have pressure to share that. But it was a very personal thing for me to have for myself. And it still is. There's one thing to share your story in therapy as you're going through it or privately. There's definitely another thing to share it as you're going through it. Like you said, for a lot of reason, the validation that comes from it, looking for the validation. Yeah. As well as the internet isn't the safest space to hold a container for you to go to those places, especially in the the last few years. Well, and like the thing about the work I was doing and the work I still have to do is it's just not linear. Like it, I had that moment where I woke up or again, but then I had moments and I was like, screw that. Like I'm going back. Like it wasn't like I was had this like light bulb and then everything was better. And I just talked about it with a therapist. It was a fight in a battle where I would have really great weeks, months, days, and then I'd have really bad weeks, months, and days. And my eating disorder wasn't just one thing. I hit them all. I, every single behavior that you can think of, I tried it and I did a certain, I did these behaviors and then they didn't work. And so I did these ones. I did the, I mean, it was all over the place. If I was sharing that with the world as it was unfolding, 
one, that just would be bad. But two, the other thing that you said, I don't want the validation that I would receive for that work to now be my new thing, Mm -hmm. my new head. Yep. I needed to find a place where I can sit with myself, be with myself, be honest about who I was. I'm not the best athlete. I'm not the best this. I'm not the best that. I'm good at a lot of things. That's okay. I had to sit with myself and learn how to accept me before I grabbed onto other people's acceptance of me. And it's such an important thought that I think most people don't formulate before taking it to social media, which is a vehicle right now, you know, because it just feels good. It feels right, especially when people are telling you that you're helping them, which may be true, but it's a little bit, you know, tainted if it's if it's not truly helping you, the person. Well, in in recovery of any sort of any kind of healing process, what I really want people to know is that it's okay to be selfish. Your process is your process. So yeah, I might help people now sharing my story and, and doing what I do. And part of the work I do is because of my personal experience. But that's a whole separate thing. When I was healing myself, it was like laser vision. You have to take care of yourself. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't be able to do the stuff I'm doing now. I authentically wouldn't. I would be causing harm. And you're such an amazing therapist. I want everyone to go back and listen to, I think it was our first episode of Outweigh. If you go back to the Outweigh podcast where you talk about how you work with people, um, mm-hmm. specifically eating disorders, because I it was so eye-opening for me. So if anybody's interested, go to Outweigh. It's one of the first mm-hmm. few episodes back of March, 2020. It really stuck with me. So let's just move into our final topic today, which is the stigma of being single in your 30s and living in the South. I know this is something you're comfortable talking about. And I think it's, if not a stigma, something a lot of people deal with, if not in the South, really everywhere. So I'd love to hear, you know, as somebody who has molded themselves into being so many different versions of you to attract different people and make them stay, how do you navigate being single having the stigma that comes with it, as you say, and staying authentic to who you are. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad that we're going to talk about this because I'm very passionate about it. What I hear a lot in my office over and over and over and over again with my clients who are amazing human beings is this, what's wrong with me? I'm this age and I've never dated somebody or I'm this age and I'm not married or what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And I, I want to make it my mission, one of my missions in the world and life to make people believe that nothing is wrong with them based on their dating life. Mm. Like that doesn't mean that has no bearing on your worth or your value or any of that. It is hard to actually understand that and comprehend that we can think that and not feel it in our hearts. And that has been a struggle. And we didn't talk about this, but I didn't have my first like real date until after I graduated college. I never got asked to prom either year. I was always invited to date parties in college, but I always was like the like second date or my like my friend's boyfriend would be like, we want Kat to come, like let's get her. But I never was like the one that was like essentially pursued in that way. And that was really hard for me. And I made up a lot of stories about it. And I didn't have my first romantic, serious boyfriend until I was like 26 or 27, which I don't think is that old, but in the world that I was living in was essentially. So that's been a struggle. And that was a lot of my my work and my talk is I based a lot about what I thought about me off of those facts. These things mean I am not good enough. These things mean 
I am not worthy of. Because I don't have this, this means I have to better myself in this way or this way or this way. I don't believe that anymore. I just don't. I believe that like my life and my dating life and all of that, while I might not like it and I wouldn't choose this maybe, I wouldn't change it now. But if I were to go backwards in life, I wouldn't choose this trajectory. So I might not like it. I do know that there's a lot of power and and value and meaning and purpose in me being not dating who I'm dating, not dating who I'm dating. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm saying it makes a lot of sense. I think it's really hard to uncouple, like you said, that worth from dating, especially when you get into your mid 20s, at least in New York, you know, when dating such a prominent thing. And then, you know, it's like, did he like me? Did he not like me? Did he call me? Did he text me? And then you don't even realize it. But, you know, your worthiness is contingent on somebody who you may or may not have even liked yourself. Yes, 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 Lisa. Oh, my God. (laughs) So much of what what. I see and what I used to do is I want to get them to like me before I decide if I like them. Like Mm -hmm. what the heck? Like that makes no sense to me. And the thing, the thing is, if I was still living that way, people might like me, but not for me. And I would rather be in a relationship later in my life with somebody who really sees me and values me and knows me where I get to just show up as me than me get married at 23 like I thought I was going to. Mm which there's nothing wrong with getting married at 23. A lot of my friends did. A lot of my family members did. But if I would have gotten married at 23, somebody would be marrying somebody that I wasn't. Totally. Can't even imagine if I got married at 23, if who I'd marry, what I was like, the amount yeah. of baggage that I would be dragging in that I had not yet cleared out, sifted through mm-hmm. and healed. Oh my gosh. I would be in... in not because of myself, I would be in an abusive relationship just because of the chaos that I know that I would bring in. Yeah. And I mean, yes, going back to like, one of my earliest relationships is I stayed in a relationship that was not healthy, Mm. just because I needed to be in a relationship, Ah. like because that meant something. And if I, I know for a fact, God's hand was like over me in the ending of that relationship. But I know if I would have stayed in that relationship, I would not have the things that I have in my life. And I would not know the human that I get to know now. You would not get to know this person because she would not be a person. She would be hiding somewhere. (laughs) And so I can find so much gratitude, not for the traumatic experiences of that relationship. I will never be grateful for that. But I'm grateful for the life that I get to live now outside of that because that's over. Beautiful. So on that note, we'll close out for today. And I want to just encourage everybody to go check out your podcast. Mm -hmm. I'll link that below. You talk about really everything. Recently, you answered a question from a Mm -hmm. listener about how to talk about sex with your therapist. (laughs) And as somebody who's been in therapy my entire life, I think that's It was just such a great question. I really enjoyed that episode. And it's just a great podcast. You talk about everything from from eating disorders to trauma to answering listener questions like that. And it's called You Need Therapy. I'm going to link that below and Kat's info so you can check out her practice if you're in the Tennessee area or just her Instagram if you want to see some of the amazing things that Kat's doing. Thank you, Kat. And thank you for sharing so authentically today. Of course. Thank you. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. 
Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.